right, hello, Idiots on Parade, the Too Ugly for a TV podcast. Hi, Jake. Uh, oh, wait, you're not Jake. Not even close, no. Uh, if you are a long-time listener, then you're a unicorn, you don't exist. But if you've ever listened in the past, uh, what I'm about to say will be no surprise to you. Jake uh, got drunk and dropped and broke his phone. So uh, this, this week's recording is taking place without him. Because uh, he, because he's an alcoholic, I guess would be the case. Yeah, functional. Maybe. Yeah, mostly functional. Yeah, I, mean, he, I mean, he gets to work on time, but he breaks his phone. So as long as he can afford to buy a new one. So uh, we have Mr. Mike Lucas sitting in for Jake. Hi, Mike. Hey, Nathan. How's it going? Uh, you know how it's going. Mike and I are in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and uh, let's use that as a jumping-off point. We got a we had a lovely one-hour detour uh, getting here because. To get to La Crosse from where we live, um, you drive up the Mississippi, basically, and uh, when a road is closed, you got fucking nowhere to go. So uh, we, we're recording as the Midwest is flooding, at least parts of Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Uh, flood 2016 is trending on Twitter, and we ran into a road closure, and we didn't get to see it. We just pulled up, and there was a cop, and uh, you know the sign said closed and detour, but they didn't have any good detour signs set up because I think it had just happened. The road was flooded over. But we got to drive 30 miles inland yeah. and then north about 10 miles and then 30 miles back to the Mississippi. We got to drive 30 miles east, north, and then back. We just It was fucking hellish long and boring. We got to see the hills of uh, Wisconsin. Yes, of western <laughs> Wisconsin, but... Uh, so did you see, let's let's start with that, uh, Ava, the manager at Penguins Comedy Club in Cedar Rapids, they were going they were going to evacuate, as she put it, the, the club, you know, clear it out tomorrow morning, but that's happening after the show tonight now. Did oh, you see that? I didn't see that. Yeah, I posted. So by the time this thing airs, we will know how bad the flooding is in Cedar Rapids. The, the neat thing about this flood is it's happening because of rain to the north of us. So they can measure the river levels as they flow south, and it's it's kind of like in its own way a hurricane, or it's predictable. They said, okay, well, here's the water coming. It's going to crest at this amount on this day at this time. So people are preparing. Downtown Cedar Rapids, Cedar Rapids has been sandbagging, and uh, um, I just hope Penguins uh, makes it through. I hope the water levels don't get that high. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be a that'll be a real bummer if. if uh... We get screwed out of uh, the comedy. Cl- I mean, uh, they have a Wednesday night open microphone for all the local comics. It's the only comedy club on, in the eastern half of Iowa. You have two comedy clubs total. You have the Des Moines Funny Bone, and you have Penguins in Cedar Rapids. Without that, you have nothing. And Penguins is the only comedy club in Iowa that holds an open microphone for up and coming comics for starters. Yeah, it's fantastic. Every week, every Wednesday night. Um good crowds so it'll be a real bummer if something happens there well, hopefully some of those open micers are there helping clear yeah. the furniture out so I that it's so. not a total disaster like they you know if the carpet gets wet and gets flooded out and muddy and whatever shit from a river gets into it you know you don't have to start from scratch get the liquor out that's that's expensive get the liquor out the liquor is pricey did you say they just didn't or they just announced that stanhope's going to be there uh on wednesday the 12th of october if it's open. Right. <laughs> that was my point, yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. If I'm around, maybe I'll go check that out. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about you, Mike. You had water in your basement. We're using the the flood transition. Um, listeners, Mike Lucas is a comedian. We're performing tonight in uh, La Crosse. As I said last week, um, I think it was last week, if you do have a time machine, 
No, I said that on a different podcast. Someone asked me about something. I remember it was this primal scream. I'm stealing from myself on the primal scream. If uh, you are listening to this and you have a time machine, jump back in time and come to lacrosse and see Mike and I perform on Friday. What day is it? The 23rd. The 23rd. Because tomorrow we have our charity show. We can talk about that in a little while. But um, I, uh, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, gentlemen, I don't know that any ladies listen to us. Uh, I like Mike Lucas um, because he is a good, humble person. He is the person that we all should be and are not. And what I mean by that is, Mike, how many kids do you have? Six. Six kids. kids, And how many of them are biological? Three. Three? Yeah, so I have have two with my uh, first wife, and then I have one with my second wife. She has one. And then we have two adopted kids. And that's where I'm going with this. The adopted kids. They were foster kids that you adopted. You already had a slew of kids. Right. But there were two kids, two children in need. What what started you? What made you foster in the first place? Was it just sort of random? Or how did you hear that, hey, did did you you put your name into a queue? Like, hey, if any kids are in need, we'll take them in for a short period of time. Or how does that start? Well, what we did was um, our initial thought was that we wanted to have more kids but we didn't want to have more kids because we figured the world has plenty of kids already and at having two and one of your own three wasn't enough i guess not not at the time all right (laughs) i my wife and i have two and that's more than enough yeah yeah well see the the three um the first three are um much older so okay they're adults now. you wanted to start fresh well i don't know yeah i guess we 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 wanted to uh I guess we'd always talked about having a big family, and so, but we didn't want to um, add to the population of the planet, so we thought we would try to help out some folks in need. So initially... So you didn't go the, uh, let's adopt, because you didn't really... Well, okay. Initially, we were going to adopt through, okay. this, through, the, through the state system. We weren't going to adopt the, the traditional way. Asian babies. Sort of. Let's sort go to Korea or China and get an Asian baby. You always get <laughs> girls that way too because, yeah. you know, girls are second class, class citizens. They want sons. Right, exactly. Now, we um, we didn't want to uh, go out of the country, so we, we decided we'd look around the United States and we found out that if you do it within Iowa, it's a thing that um, works well to go through the foster care system so you become you become licensed to be a foster parent and then you say that you want to adopt kids so basically you're a licensed foster parent but you never but you don't foster so that's why we started okay. that's so how we started it wasn't a matter of um so maybe you're not as good a person as i was giving <laughs> going to give you credit for <laughs> we ended uh, up fostering oh uh, okay because i i thought you because i know a little of the story you had two uh, children in a sad situation or a dangerous or I'm not but the the whole point is you fostered them and then decided to adopt them I thought that it might have gone in the uh well they're here why don't we adopt them but it was more uh we wanted kids and these were two that were I mean it's still like I I took it dialed it back and discounted you just a little bit there but I mean that's a matter of that's what a good person does like that's you're you're the kind of person everyone hears about You (laughs) you have two kids that are in a situation that is untenable to them 
and you take them in and give them you know, like, okay, these two kids need love and they need, you know, protection and to be raised correctly. And, and, and so you do it and everybody hears that and like, oh, couldn't more people be like that? Well, why don't you be like that? Fuck no, not me. I'm not, <laughs> no, 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 no. But right. you actually did it. Right, right. Do you want to give any of the backstory of these kids uh, without I getting mean, too personal? I don't, yeah, I'm I mean, not sure how far sure. to go. Generally, they, I can tell you that they are, um, they're not, they're, they're not biological brother and sister. But they are um, biological cousins. Okay. Um, their moms are sisters, and the situation was they were. Um, I think their moms lived next door to each other, and there was um, some. There was a party, and the kids were sleeping in the back room. I don't think it was anything incredibly unsafe for them, but there were there was I think there was marijuana at the party, and if there's drugs at a party and there's kids there, the kids immediately go into the system because. Um, or you know for their protection yeah and then the, the parents of course uh, have a chance to get them back right away they just have to follow some steps and these mothers chose not to well um they they struggled with it i guess they kind of went back and forth and tried and they and they continued to work on it but it just didn't um didn't work for them so well um and i think there's some things in there that are complicated for them to do but you know as a parent you have to figure out how to do those things and that's them's the brakes if you don't do it right yeah so they ended up um at some point leaving the state to go on a family trip and uh their car broke down and they were just stuck there for months i mean when you don't have money there's no way to get anywhere so they were gone for months and months and um the state basically said well you've abandoned your children so hmm. and how, how old are these kids now um 16 and 13 yeah all right and has there been any visitation or contact since, or oh, no. no? That was that's, mm-hmm. that's oddly unfathomable to me. Like, and I and I know it happens, but like like you just said, uh, there are certain steps, and even if they're difficult, they're your fucking kids. Like, I cannot imagine life without my kids, and I can't imagine, say, something happened and I fucked up just somehow, and they said, no, the kids aren't safe here. They need to go away for a little while. I would do everything in my goddamn power to to write that and, and right. prove myself worthy of my kids. It just, it astounds me. Right. One of the things that came up was they were, you know, in a different state, and they at some point finally got in contact and said, you know, we're stuck here. We don't have any way to get there. And the people with the state said, listen, you have to get here. If these kids were in your care... What would you do? You'd figure out a way to get here. Yeah. Get here. Yeah. And they just didn't. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to discount anyone's story, but a Greyhound bus ticket is not that expensive. I mean, right. the, the worst way to get somewhere is, is a bus, but, you know, you can, right. you can always muster up 20, 30, 50 bucks. It, it might be difficult as hell. I'm not saying it's easy that you can always pull, but, yeah, either way. Well, that brings us to the next thing, because uh, flooding in the news aside, the big, as, as we record in 2016, um, is, and who knows what the story is each time, but the, the news is basically black, uh, police on black violence, and surprise to the next uh, part, you are a cracker American, hunk, hunky American, how do we put this? Yeah, well, I think... Olfe. <laughs> You're, I'm, I'm white. That's, yeah, I'm totally okay. white. And the two uh, foster adopted children, they're your kids, but right. they are. They're African American. And as a parent, what do you? What goes through your mind when you hear of black men, black 
Shannon yeah. Bland was a woman. What do you fear for your kids? How do you talk to them about that? Because at 13 and 16, they're aware enough. Yeah. And um, I mean, as a, as a, I'm just, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm faltering here because I don't yeah. know how I would approach that situation. I mean, so how do you? We've had conversations, and and you know, our son is, um, he's a little, uh, he's the 16 year old. He struggles with some things as far as understanding. Um, directions and things like that. He's just kind of got some learning disabilities, so it bothered. It, it concerns us a lot because I can imagine, in a situation, if he got into a situation and was being commanded to do things, he might not understand exactly what to do at the right time, and uh, you know somebody could take whatever he's done the wrong way. Right. And we've talked to him about that, but um, and um, he seems to understand what we're saying, but I don't know that he fully grasps the whole thing. He certainly, he certainly understands what's going on, and he understands that it's a dangerous world that we live in for him. So. Yeah, and well, I don't. I mean, I guess when you say learning disabilities, or I mean, is there no way to? I don't want to say beat into his head, but literally, like, this is a police officer, mm-hmm. and you know, the the overwhelming majority of police officers are good people who mm-hmm. you know try and do right and protect and serve. But there are, like the in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the woman just got charged, and I don't think anybody thinks. Well, maybe some people do think. I don't think she, personally. I don't think she got up that day and said, oh, "I'm going to shoot a black man," right. and she said she was afraid. And you know, I don't know if that's a lack of training or I don't know what her story is. But she shot too fast. There, there's no question that. And I, again, I, I, I'm not in the situation, so I can't speak to how frightening it is or what's going through your mind if someone is reaching into a glove box and there's all this hype and there were the Dallas shootings of police officers. There's got to be a, I mean, I would not want to be a police officer given the fear they have to live in and under every day. But I guess I don't understand why you can't shoot at a leg or an ass cheek or, you know, why, why it has to be a body shot every time. Take them down. Um, where was I going with this? But, I mean, with your son, it can't be... If you see this uniform, right. you grasp that wheel and do not let go until they say, you know, like, with, with the commands. He really mm-hmm. has a, like, succinct hands on the wheel, hands on your... Would you yeah. think that would become confusing or... I think it would be... He, he becomes very flustered and nervous and fidgety. And, and uh, so I can see this... I could see it going poorly for him because he's very... He's not defiant, but he gets confused easily, and when he does, he sort of shuts down. Yeah. And so. So how much, as a father, how much fear do you live under? Is that something that crosses your mind a lot, or when it does cross your mind, does it does it bother you? Because I mean, as, as speaking, maybe parallel but outside the realm of what we're talking about, I, I see a headline: kid goes missing, and it, it it stuns me for a second. Like I sit there and look at that headline, and my kids, I think about my or here's a perfect one. I remember when uh, I think his name was Lane, when the, the toddler, the two year old in Florida, was taken by the alligator. Mm-hmm. Um, such a rare, like that's just not going to happen. It happened then. It's it's like a lightning strike. Um, but I, for a good ten minutes, was consumed with the thought of because my, my son is two years old. Mm-hmm. So I just was suddenly in that world, just just crippled with fear, thinking what must have been the last thoughts going through that child's life, like wondering where his dad was and thinking of my own son, what he would do in pain, and it just it hurt me. So as a father, what does that do to you? Does it does, like when when you hear the news story and you imagine? Do you imagine your own son in a situation like that? And what does it do to you? It 
I don't necessarily imagine him in this situation because he's an he's a very interesting character as far as what he goes and does. He he his his scope of uh, activity in the world is he likes to sit at home and play video games, so he doesn't get out much. Fair enough, but well, there will be times when sure. he is behind a wheel of a sure. car, yep. right? Yeah, he just got his license. So, okay. Um, yeah, I mean it's certainly something that we need to talk about. He hasn't gone out driving by himself yet, and it's going to be something that we need to resolve with him. Like was, like I said, his mom just recently had a conversation with him about this specific topic, and he, like I said, he does seem to understand that it's a dangerous place for him to to be if he's not going to follow yeah. directions. This I'm, I'm not making light of the situation. This is actually a serious comment, even though it sounds absurd. Um, is there a way to give him, like, a laminated note that if he gets pulled over that he literally, like, hand out the windshield and just sort of holds it there so that someone can come read it and say, you know, like, my name is, right. I have this disability, please be patient, I am unarmed, anything like that that yeah. that gives a heads up that he can just sort of hold out the window. That's it's not the worst idea in the world. What is that? You know, right. put that back in the... And then, but, he gets, but he's... Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know if that works or not. The thing about him is, is like he's. I mean, when I say he's got a disability, it's not. I mean, he's just got a learning disability. Well, obviously, he got. He's yeah. got his license. He's right. not Rain yeah. Man out there. Like, right. I'm that's, a very good driver. I'm a very good driver. <laughs> right, and that's the thing about him is like he. He's, you know, he's a normal kid. Like he, he interacts with people, and he's just very shy and quiet. And like I said, when he gets upset or confused, he just sort of shuts down. Yeah, but that's and. I hate to say this, in this, today's day and age, that's a sign of aggression, or why was he not talking, or why didn't he, you know, right, and, exactly, and yeah. bang, they shoot. I want to quick go back to one thing that I, I didn't uh, finish up on, is when I said that uh, the reason I like you is because you're a good person, you're better than me. Uh, if, if I had adopted two African-American kids uh, and, and pulled them from a situation like that where the parents are like, oh, yeah, you got my kids. Okay, good, you're taking care of them. We're on on family vacation. Because that really stands out to me when you said that. Like, oh, we've got this court shit to take care of, but we're going to leave the state for a while. Really? Really? You're going to leave the state for a while? Right. Um, Yeah, I should say say they went back to where they were originally from to visit family. Right. Well, still. Um, And that family couldn't give them a bus ticket? Right, yeah, exactly. I I feel like there was some... Maybe they weren't being completely honest, right? Especially considering, well, my hope. Well, uh, now I've got two thoughts in my head, and that's the problem with this: is you talking and then you go back. So my whole point is, you're right. I like you because you're a better person. Because I would be walking around literally like, "Yep, I saved kids. I adopted two. I'm a good person. Fuck you. I'm better than you. What did you do today? Yeah, well, I got two kids at home that I adopted. I pulled them from the grip, and you you never bring it up, or when you do, it's very. Just offhandedly, like you, like you act, which is just like, ah, you know, it's what you do. You, you know, we, we got these kids, and that's it. You know, like, yeah, we, we wanted a couple of kids, and these, yeah. yeah it's, it's like the uh, this is a, this this is a joke. This is a joke, and it's a horrible <laughs> one. It's like you went to the Humane Society for for babies for kids. Like you you didn't make your own. You literally went and saved a couple that were not on the chopping block, but right. could have ended up ten years from now just in a very different, bad, sad situation. Yeah, and that's sort of how, I mean. We, I mean, we don't look at it as... I was just going to say, that's how you look at it? No, you we you look went at to the Humane Society no, for, for people, for children? We, we look at it as like, we, we went or we, we received these kids, and um, our whole thought process from the beginning was, let's just see what we can do for them while, while they're here. So we, didn't, we weren't sure we were going to 
be able keep to keep them, them or not. <laughs> oh, be able to. <laughs> they started on them and like, we're not sure if we were going to keep them or give them back, but <laughs> be able to be allowed them. to keep yeah. them because the parents had a... Yeah, um, so our whole process, our whole thought process was let's um, give them everything we can while they're here. So if we can help them uh, learn to read while they're here, then they can take that with them forever. If they, yeah. if they get a one year of stability and they understand what that is, then they can take that and they'll have it forever. So, Random question. Um, any words or contact or any the fathers? It was two different fathers from no, cousin there? I think I mean, one of the fathers was unknown. There was, and then the other father was, um, he was... He was in prison, so. Um, I had a joke and I lost it. When you said unknown. <laughs> prison, prison no, gotcha. <laughs> no, no, it was, uh, no, uh, yeah, you said unknown and I was thinking of something like uh, like Mel Gibson who has nine kids, Eddie Murphy who has nine kids, uh, a basketball player. I was trying, uh, my mind was spinning that way, like the father was unknown. Oh, Antonio. was Eddie Murphy coming through town and just like, or an NBA player. Antonio Cromartie. Yeah, they the leave guy. kids in their wake. Um, all right, fair enough. Yeah. Well, we've talked about uh, you and your family a lot. Anything uh, on your mind that uh, you would like to talk about? Mm, boy, this is you put me on the spot. Uh. All right. Well, then, <laughs> then let's talk about this. We talked about this in the car on a drive up. I was going to save this one for Jake because Jake and I talked about it last week. Um, if you listened to last week's podcast, uh, then you're one of seven people probably. Um, so last week, I re- we recorded on Friday, like we're re- recording right now, and I just finished a show in South Dakota. And I got off stage, and I went back to the, my hotel room, and Jake, you know, like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I am not good. I just had a really bad show, but I, I feel kind of okay about it because I talked to the people. Um, so if you're listening for the first time, what it, it was a corporate show. When you're a comedian... It's not always about the art. Uh, I think you become a comedian because you feel you have ideas you want to express and you want to make people laugh. At least that's why I did. But when you get into the game, there are different kind of shows. And some you take for the paycheck. You're like, this is a client. They want a very specific thing. And you give that to them. You don't stand on stage and give them what you want. You say, all right, this is... And so I did a corporate show for a flooring company... And they wanted a, a clean show, which most corporates are. They said, uh, it's for our customers. It's a customer appreciation um, benefit, whatever, and you're our entertainment. And before the show, I went and met with my liaison, and she said, there are kids here. And I went, whoa. And she said, but the parents know it's an adult show, so I'm just giving you that heads up. Uh, we want it clean, no swearing. And I said, okay, but innuendo's fine. I said, I can't do a Disney show. I can't do all ages, but I can do PG just fine. I won't swear. I won't talk politics. I won't split anybody down any lines. I'm not going to, you know, offend. And she said, that's great. Just, you know, no swearing. Um, and, and I admit, I broke that. But it was in the very last sentence of the very last joke. I did an hour, and I have a joke where I say shit at the end. And I could have changed the word, but by that point, I just didn't. And they actually laughed at it. It was one of the few things they laughed at. But um, it, it didn't go well. And I talked to two higher-ups after the show, and one said, well, we've been working 10-hour days trying to put this event together. I was looking at people's faces during the show, and they were just tired. They wanted to... Oh, and that's the other thing I told you, and I think I mentioned it last week. I think I told Jake that it went drinks, dinner, comedian, door prizes. So anybody that wanted to win a television uh, watch they had, they had... 
$100 gift cards, $100, and a trip to Hawaii. So, so you, anybody that wanted to you win that. You literally had a captive audience. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. It was, you could have done the giveaway first and anybody that wanted to leave could leave. But it was, if you want to win your trip to Hawaii, you have to sit through shithead on stage telling jokes. <laughs> so I walked up on stage and, and like I gave them what they wanted. I was clean. But from the first moment, I knew they were not there to have fun. I, I, some people were smiling. Uh, some even laughed, but uh, uh, quite a few just sat there stone-faced and arms crossed. And this is from the get-go. This is not me walking on stage and telling a couple jokes that bomb. This was just walking on stage and they're like, well, fuck this guy. Or not even, even if it wasn't fuck this guy, it was just like... <sighs> 60 minutes. Of yeah, that. exactly. And so it was, it was horrible. It was a disaster. And the entire time I just said, okay, well, get through it. This isn't for you. This is a mortgage payment. If it had, and I'll, I'll fully admit, if it had been a bar show or something like that, I could have yelled at him. If it had been some show where it wasn't for me, I could have said, you know, like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Right. Uh, you, you are dumb. You are not let. La- and I would do jokes that generally get applause breaks, like, because they're, they're surprising. Or, and, I, and I did say that once. I was so surprised. I stopped and said, I'm not going to lie to you people. That usually gets an applause break. I'm, I'm a little confused right now, but mm-hmm. all right, let's keep going. And, and I did. I kept going. I just, because I knew it wasn't about my ego. And anyway, as I was saying, so I talked to the woman after the show, or two women. I talked to my liaison and a different higher up. And the different higher up said, uh, yeah, people were tired. I was looking at faces and they just seemed drawn and, oh, can we just get this over with? I'm like, okay. And then I talked to the, my liaison and I said, look, I've never had a show go that poorly before. We're from the get-go. They did not want to be there. Is that how it is for the comedians? Is this different? She goes, yeah, they usually don't give it up. And I'm like, in my head thinking, then why do you keep having comedians? But I was relieved. You know, I'm like, okay, so it's not me. That's good. Uh, Tuesday, I get an email from the booking agent that gave me the gig that literally only says, Nathan, what the fuck? And scroll down, and my liaison has sent a letter, an email saying... Nathan was horrible. Uh, here's a comment from one of our customers. And the customer said, you know, he was vulgar. I can't believe I had to sit through that. I'm so happy. my w-. And this is more articulate than the email was, was very poorly written. But basically said I was vulgar. And I went through my act in my head. I'm thinking, I talked about my wife, my kids. I talked about performing for the American troops. And that got nothing. Generally, when you say, like, oh, I perform for the troops, you go, oh, well, good, a little patriotic, you know, they get, yeah, yeah. and they gave nothing. And, um, yeah, I, I have to admit, it's been kind of shitty thinking about it because the, the booking agent said, call me tomorrow, and I did call him, and I got told he'll call you back, and he never did. And I don't know the protocol here because I've never been in this situation. Like, should I have called him that afternoon? Should I have called him again the next day? I didn't want to... Right. Seem like the jilted lover, like, why aren't you calling me? I just right. like, okay, I'll let it sit. I don't know if he's angry or if he's researching. But I would love to get feedback from either the liaison or someone else to say, okay. Or, I mean, I would love to put them under oath on and, and say, okay, what did Nathan say? Well, he... Um, insinuated. Uh, did he swear? <laughs> well, no, he didn't swear. He did say shit at the end. Okay, I'll cop to that. I did say shit at the very end. But the kids had left by then. I saw them leave. Um, did he, did he talk about masturbation? Did he talk about this? And she would have to come back with no. And then we go back to the first question. Is innuendo okay? Yeah, innuendo's fine. But I, I have a, I'll tell you, I have a bit where I, my, my daughter, four years old, walked in on my wife and I having sex. And I have a joke about it. 
But when I told it that night, and when I generally tell, I say, you know, like, well, my daughter, you know, she caught my wife and I. Right. She and I'm making a face, and I sometimes I'll say, like, she caught us, you know, marital relations. I don't say she caught us having sex because they can't even hold that over me. In the throes of passion. Yeah, something. <laughs> so that yeah, I'm talking about having sex, but I'm doing it in a way that you could get away with on right, yeah, Ellen or Oprah or The View, you know, oh, yeah, you, you for sure, and so. The thing that pisses me off is that this is my job. This is my livelihood. And if I'm going to get blackballed for something I didn't do from one booking agent, that could be several thousand dollars a year. And it really pisses me off that this woman, I get that she's covering her ass, that that person complained. But this person, if you read the email, is not articulate. And he said, I'm glad that my wife didn't have to sit through that malarkey and filth coming out of that comedian's mouth. I will apologize for the language I just used here. <laughs> so if he's apologizing for using malarkey and filth in an email, like right. we're dealing with someone that probably is voting for Te- uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> I was just going to say it was Ted Cruz in the Because audience. Ted Cruz <laughs> didn't make the primary. We're dealing with a severe asshole here. And it yeah. just it pisses me off that I haven't been able to give my side of the story Except to our seven listeners right now. So do you overthink everything? Because I would, I don't think I could stop thinking about how about any of that. I just would, I would be replaying all that over and over in my head. I would go nuts. It comes in waves. The first thing I did is I sat down and wrote up my entire set list for that night, so that I could go through joke by joke. If he said, "Well, they said you talked about this," and I could go, "Okay," like they said, "Well, you talked about fucking your wife." Did you okay. record it? What's that? No, I didn't. I wish I had recorded. I wish I had recorded it because it would have been embarrassing, hilarious to have me on stage, yeah, telling jokes that just bombing, just I would love to put it out as like you know, watch this comedian eat a bag of shit. You know, sixty minutes of shit. Sixty minutes of just like, and that got nothing. But I would love to, like I said, I would love to hear the translation. Well, they said you talked about fucking your wife. Fair enough, I did. Here's the joke. Right. I said my wife and I got caught, you know, doing what married couples do. Let me walk you through it. And at no point do I ever do anything that involves like, so my dick is inside her or I'm about to come and my dog. I don't have that in the regular joke, right. much less the censored for corporate joke. I'm making a joke about it's a funny situation to most people. Oh, shit, the daughter saw... And it's 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 literally a joke where, you know, my daughter walks in. What are you doing? Because she's four. She doesn't know her. And I'm like, oh, well... And then my daughter throws up. I mean, it's it's in that sense. It's not anything that is inappropriate. It's, it's life. It happens. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, you're just being a person and you're telling a story about things that happen to real people. It's not like you were making up some insanely vulgar story. Yeah. That's wild. And and so now, because, so that was, uh, it said, call me Wednesday. And so it's Friday. And I called Wednesday. He'll call you back. And it was one of those things that, and I, I told you this in the car, you know, um, I'm going to make it up like, uh, you know, um, I was trying to quick off the top of my head. And went, hi, uh, comedy place. I'm like, hi, uh, Nathan Timmel for the booking agent. Oh, hold on. <laughs> And like they knew, like they were waiting because it had already been out there what had happened. Right. And then, you know, from come back from hold, he'll have to call you back. And I'm like, okay. And then nothing. And like I said, I don't know. Do I call again? And so I'll, I guess I'll send another email on Monday or Tuesday of next week. Like, hey, it's been a week. I, I called you last week. Just want to see where we stand because 
Yeah. Uh, I sent him an email right away that said, this is not true. I, I did say shit at the end of my set, but, you know, I, I did not do anything wrong. They are, again, I get that they get a complaint from their customer and they have to react to that customer. Right. But fucking don't throw me under the bus like that. Right. I mean, if you have a, if you have a relationship with this guy and he has any trust in you, then he has to understand it. Or he has to at least give you the opportunity to to share your side of it, and I would think that he would believe you because you've been doing this for so long. It's just fucking wild that. And I guess the to me the 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 thought that went through my mind a couple hours later, you know, like you said, I was thinking about it. Is as we've mentioned here, like I, as I've mentioned, like I have two kids. I have a two year old and a four year old. Does anybody think I'm going to go into a situation and do anything to jeopardize my future earnings? Like stand on stage and like get told, hey, we have kids in the audience, don't be vulgar. Got it. So I'm fucking my wife. Ah, you ever get a blowjob and you come so, or any, I, I mean, I don't even, that's just me imagining what they might have thought I said because I have no fucking clue what they think. Right. Why would I go in and damage? I knew my job and I did my job and I did it well and they did not respond from the get-go, and fuck them for complaining about it. What they wanted was, and this was at the bottom of the email that I showed you when we were driving up here, I read to you, maybe next year get a magician. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> That's what you wanted. You wanted a high-energy guitar comic or someone, is this your card? Ooh, a they wanted to be, they did not want to sit and listen to dipshit tell stories about life that are funny and amusing. They wanted their goddamn trip to Hawaii and when they didn't win, then they took it out on me. I have no idea. That's taking it a little too far. But, you know, it's not my fucking fault that you don't like comedy. Right, yeah. It, it, and that, and that, that, this is the last thing I'll say about it, is that's what pisses me off, is I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it, but fuck you. Keep it to yourself. You know, like, if that's vulgar to you, then just sit there and go, you know what, this is not my cup of tea. Because I, I can guarantee reading the letter, the tone of that letter, and, and having seen the people that were dour, and I'm not a bad judge of character, I can guarantee that that person is also the same one that says, there's too much politically correctness these days. Why doesn't Colin Kaepernick stand for the flag? These kids these days are shissies. They gotta, you know, they, they get too hurt about you. So you're like like yeah. Clint Eastwood's interview where they say, right. oh, those things didn't used to be called racist. Oh, these kids today are too sensitive. Right, right, yeah. You're fucking sensitive, you pussy, because I did nothing wrong. I can't fathom, I can't fathom what kind of comic I would have to watch to go home and sit down and write a letter about it to somebody to complain, you know what I mean? Like how I can't imagine who who could make me that mad, you know? Neither can I. I can in that situation. If you throw like a Doug Stanhope or Brett Erickson into a corporate thing and say, "Do oh. your act, <laughs> yeah. do whatever you want," I can see people being pissed. Sure. I, I would not personally, like you say, I would not write a sit down and write a letter. I've never done that. I've right. never. I think where I work, they had a. There was a comic one year for a Christmas party, and uh, apparently he offended some folks, and so they just never had a comic again after that. I don't recall that there was a big uproar about it, aside from the fact that they decided that comedy wasn't right for a large group of yeah. people at work. And that's, that's the thing Jake talks about, and what he mentioned last week, is, is he, he calls it, and very rightfully so, it's ambush comedy. You go to your employee yeah. appreciation night, and you have a few drinks. If you drink, you have your dinner, and then you're told that there's a door prize. But first, got to sit through this asshole. 
they did not make a conscious decision to go to a comedy club or a comedy show. Right. It got thrust upon them. Yep. And that is, in a way, on the company. But right. right now, I feel like the scapegoat for someone else's bad time. Yes, absolutely. And I would fully admit if, you know, I went up there and... And I, I will fully admit that 10, 15 years ago, I might have gone up there and if things were going poorly, gone, fuck it, I'm going to do what I want and told some jokes that were inappropriate and maybe gotten a bad reaction and maybe deserved to be complained about. Not last week. Yeah, it would have been interesting. So these the people who um, the people who were in charge, they stayed and watched the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, it would have been interesting if, if the crowd had been into it and been more you know, upbeat or entertained um, if this one letter would have made its way to the uh, booking agent. That's a good point. I didn't, I never even thought of that. Yeah. If everybody had been laughing and and that's the thing is as a, as a comedian, I have learned not to really overly judge audiences. Mm -hmm. Like I, 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 you have these shows where the audience is sitting there smiling Mm -hmm. And they're not laughing, and you're like, oh, you fucking people just laugh. But after the show, they come up to you, and they're just like, that was so much fun. I had a great time. That was wonderful. And so when I looked at this audience, and I would pick out the people that were smiling, I'm like, okay, some of them are having an okay time, others just whatever it is. I never in a million years would have expected this response. Not with anything I said on stage that night. That person who wrote that email has some serious fucking issues. We're talking like, you know, homeschooling the outside world is a bad, scary place. It it just boggles my mind. Yeah. Yep. I agree with what you're saying there. It's a, I get the sense that it, it's probably somebody who's got the moral, uh, you know, upper hand or wants to have it. Yeah, something. And I, I get the woman that was my liaison having to cover her ass, but you can do that within your company. You can just write him back and say, we're so yeah. sorry. But to contact my guy and say, here, here's the feedback we got, yeah. after telling me to my face, you know, it, there are kids here, but they know it's an adult show, and you have to know that I did not say anything inappropriate on that stage. If you sat through the entire show and didn't hear me say fuck or anything worse, I think the only thing worse would be cunt, but, you know, if the only time I swore was at the very last joke and I said shit... And my content was my kids and the American military and obesity. Uh, yeah, then then you shouldn't have thrown me under the bus. That, that's, fuck you for doing that. Yep, I agree. All right, kids, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, letting me vent. I feel a little better. I'm, I'm also still a little angry because talking about it makes me angry. But uh... Yeah, I get that. But if you are uh, if you are a listener, I'm glad I got to say that I know how to do this because if if you were listening and I just sort of said uh, oh, this show where they said I'm vulgar, I said well you're vulgar all the time. No, no, I'm vulgar on this podcast because <laughs> it's my podcast. I can do what I want. And oh, and I will say this: uh, if I if I every week did this podcast and said, man, fuck that audience, they didn't get me, then there'd be a problem. Right. Uh, the last time I had an audience like this was the last time I did ambush comedy for a university. That was over two years ago, where it was, hey, here's a photo booth, and we're going to have a DJ and a magician, and here's your comedian. And they just, they were on their phones, not paying attention was to it, me, and I didn't give a was fuck. Was it the, uh, the Asian party or something? Yeah, it was, the, yep, it was, uh, that's exactly what it was. So if I was on here every week saying that audiences don't get me and it's on them, sure, it's my fault. 
But if I have one bad show like this every, I don't know, three years, and it's a very special situation, maybe the audiences need to fucking examine themselves. All right, that's all I'm bitching about now. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Thanks, Mike. You bet.